Joseph on the crap have a great good match right there. Fighting through contact, fighting through offensive line, beating the double team, multiple moves stacked into one. Just a play of pure domination. This is actual film, it's actual football talk. It's a football show, it's about football, not storylines. And you are listening to the 25th edition of Blue It's Blitz. I'm going to be doing 21 plays with my friend Marcus Coleman, uh, who has left Antigua. He's now back at the at the home base. Base. Uh, how is uh, how is Antigua, Marcus? What's the scouting report? I mean, it was it was awesome, man. You know, nice nice clear beaches, nice sand. The water was cool. It was it was great, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so good. Hope, hopefully, there's no coronavirus, and we can I can actually get married to my fiance there next year. We'll we'll see if that happens. That'll happen. No stress. No stress. That, that, so, no stress. It'll happen. We're doing uh, 21 plays on on this year, like I said, um, and then after that, I did George Fant already on which is on uh, my Twitter and Jets X Factor, uh, and I'm already working on Greg Van Roten. Um, other than that, the quick housekeeping. Uh, obviously, you can follow me on uh, on Twitter, JoeRB31. Uh, Marcus is at Patch MC42. Uh, we did get a five-star review, which I appreciate from uh, Vic D. Diwana. Uh, he says exceptional content, and he's basically saying that he subscribed to uh, Jets X Factor because of the film breakdowns, and uh, he basically wanted to know why some players in college had great highlights but never made it for the Jets. And if you watch the show, you'll know why. Which is literally why we're here because people only watch highlights. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> That's why yeah. I'm here. So highlights don't mean anything, dude. I promise. You. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's so funny too. Like Greg Dortch was a big guy last offseason, and then I, I I killed him on here because he just he he was lazy in college, so I really did not like his game. And then Blake Cashman too. It's like everybody's so high on the guy. And I'm relatively high on him too for where they picked him last year. But one of the first stats that everybody started throwing around Marcus was he, he never misses tackle. He had zero missed tackles in college per whatever freaking stats website. The mm. first game I watched, he missed like three tackles. I was like, what, what, <laughs> what is this? Like, how, how do they come up with these, with these stats, bro? So, um, yeah, that's why we're here. So that, that, that's like my, one of my favorite reviews that we got. Uh, that's, that's the point of this. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, we're going to get into some minor things before we even get into, uh, the, the year review, which like I said, is going to be pretty short 21 plays. Um, the first thing Marcus is that's the, it's the big topic of today. A lot of players in the last hour or two, I don't know if you've sent, seen it or been on Twitter, what you've been doing today, but, uh, almost in unison, everybody's been tweeting, you know, something to the fact of like Pierre to tweeted from the Jets. We're doing the review today. He says, uh, it's bigger. It's bigger than the game. It's about the safety and the health of the players. The NFL and you tag the NFL uh, needs to do their part and put the player safety as a priority and work to create a safe work environment. If there's going to be a chance for us to play, uh, playing football this year, and then everybody's hashtagging, we want to play. <clears throat> Plenty of names, uh, RG three and and Drew Brees and all these guys are coming out and tweeting about it. So um, we were we were discussing a little bit before we started recording, but your thoughts on if there will be an NFL season, uh, the NFL's plan or lack thereof a plan. Um, you obviously have you know, more knowledge into that than I would. Um, but what are your overall thoughts on this whole situation with the, the season and if they're going to play and the players kind of going against and standing up against the NFL right now? Well, the first thing you have to do is you got to understand how the NFL works. And obviously being a former player, keeping up with everything, and understanding who runs the league, these owners have some, they have probably have several plans. They're not going to just be sitting around since April without having some kind of contingency plan or something in place, <clears throat> because as much as we think that they won't, don't want to 
you know, have football. If anybody, they do want to have football because they don't want to miss out on the billions of dollars that they make every year, even if they're slighted some this year to, you know, to not have a season. So there's a plan. There's probably two or three plans that they're discussing. Now, have they given all that information to the players? Probably not, just because that's just how they work. They're not going to disclose every single thing and disclose all their plans until they see how much, you know, they're kind of, they're trying to really see, you know, how close to the line they can get with probably some of the things that they've already put on the table. You know, they're just trying to push the envelope. Okay, well, can we get this and get away with this? Can we use this and get away with this? You know, at the end of the day, it's still business for them. And it's not that they're necessarily not, you know, aware or they're not concerned for the player's safety because they have to be. That's the commodity. The players are your commodity for the business. So they know they need the players. So they know they have to protect them. That's why I say you got to to use a little common sense thinking about all of this. Knowing that they're going to have a plan in place. Uh, It's just a matter of really just, I guess, pinpointing the, the specific things that players, that the players may be asking for and whether the owner's giving to it. Uh, So I think, in between now and the 28th, um, and I think actually the rookies going earlier. I think they're going on the 21st, if I'm, unless I'm wrong. There's some rookies um, reporting tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Rookies so, and yeah. guys with injuries, something like that. Right. So there's going to have to be something in place. Uh, and they know that. It's just a matter of what they agree on and then moving forward to get it done. And, yes, there's going to be a season. Uh, if you look at some of the universities, and even if you take the model of what's going on, and you can't really use baseball because they don't really – they're not really standing around each other. There's really not a whole lot of contact. However, if you look at soccer and I really been, I've been paying attention to soccer very closely uh, since they started and they have a lot of contact. They're in close proximity of each other. There's, you know, they're still out playing the game and slide tackling, albeit there's no stand, you know, no fans in the stands. However, you know, the players are even during their cooling breaks, you know, they're still in a little group, you know, together, uh, they're close to one another. The ones that aren't, you know, the subs, they're up in the bleachers, you know, away from, you know, the main starters or the people that are playing. And they haven't had any negative reaction or a positive test from what I've been reading from different countries, whether it be Germany, England, Italy, France. They've been just, you know, they've been rolling every week since then. So, and I'm sure they've talked to some of those clubs, some of those medical experts and, and gotten information on how they can best make this work for an NFL environment. So there is a plan. So I probably see one or two preseason games at most, probably just be one, and and then the season will start. Now, obviously, there won't be a lot of fans in the stands. You know, it'll be whatever capacity they decide on. But I think the games are still being played, and I think it's just a matter of narrowing down what specific information that's lacking that's leading the players to not think that there's not a plan in place. Yeah, I was watching the Mets-Yankees game uh, yesterday and they had some players in the dugout and then some like back behind the dugout, like sitting where the right. fans would sit. So, yeah, just um, like soccer. Same yeah, thing. yeah. So we'll see how it works with the NFL. I, I really don't think there's going to be any preseason games, to be completely honest. I'm, I'm hoping um, there's obviously 16 games. Uh, but as a player, just a follow-up with that, obviously uh, I didn't play at the level you did, but going into a game – and not having because I, I feel like to be fair for the NFL, if nobody can have fans or if no, if one team can have fans, but one, the other can't, nobody should have fans. I think I should I think it should be that way because Agreed. even even 25 percent capacity can make a difference. I, I believe at least a little bit. So mm-hmm. if, if somebody can't, then nobody can. Um, 
if there is no fans, how would that affect you as a, as an NFL player? Um, you know, obviously when you were playing, like what were your thoughts beyond that would be different. Cause I know you guys feed off the fans like that. That's inevitable. Yeah. You definitely do, but yeah, well, everybody's different for me. It wouldn't matter because most of the time, and it's weird. The only thing that I could hear was what was actually happening on the field. Like there, and that's my entire career. There, there weren't, many times where I actually heard the fans. I, it, it was just like I was in my own little bubble, and the only thing I could hear was the coach talking, other players talking, the ref. Uh, I may hear a fan, you know, every now and then, but it really didn't – it wasn't a big concern for me to, you know, hearing the fans, and I'm not a rah-rah guy. I don't go around trying to hype the fans up or whatever. You know, I just go do my job. So I never really heard – you know, it, it, I never really heard any fans, you know, and, and – and so it wouldn't make a difference for me. For some guys, that's their motivation. So now if you don't have any fans, now you got to find a different motive, you know, something else that, that motivates you. Because there are some guys that feed off crowd energy, uh, you know, that feeds off the noise, you know, the smack talking, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, now or you got a figure- couple million bucks in your pocket. I mean, yeah, now you got to, I mean, for me, that's enough for me. I don't, I don't yeah. need, yeah, I don't need anybody to stay for that. Yeah, that's enough. So, yeah. so for some guys, they're going to have to find something different. Uh, so it wouldn't, you know, for me, it, it really wouldn't matter. And I, and on, and on the preseason games, while I, a part of me agrees with you, but on the back end, I'm thinking, well, you got to have a test run, you know, before the, the, the season actually starts. That's why I say it may be one or two. It'll probably just be one because you have to have a test run, you know, in regards to how you're going to ma- manage the sideline. They haven't even give, given any specs on what the sideline is going to look like because now you got to extend the coach's box. If you're talking about keeping everybody spread out, so now the coach's box has got to be from maybe the five to the five, you know, uh, going all the way down on both sides lines. You don't know where uh, detonated for whenever the offense or defense comes off the field, where are they going to talk? Uh, you know, where the coach is going to stand, you know, where the sub is going to stand, where they, you know, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. So, and you have to have a test run. You can't just go out there and have a game and you don't even know, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on. Uh, you don't know what the process is for coming into the game, for leaving the game. Uh, the testing, there's just so many things that, that have to be experimented with and that you have to at least rehearse in some kind of way that you have to at least have one or two games in order to do that. So, it can be functional, it can be efficient, and you can still have good games. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be like a lot of like 10 men on the field, 12 men on the field, because like if you're trying to bounce from like the special teams coach to the offensive coordinator it's to the right. defensive coordinator to spread out that much, like you're right. running around a ton. So, uh, you know, on the sidelines, like typically it's like you're bouncing from coach to coach to coach to that guy, and now it's going to be all spread out. and be jogging up and down the sideline. Like it's going to be crazy. Yeah, um, yeah I, and I, we talked about it too. I, I feel bad for the guys who are like fighting to make a roster spot because this is not the year. Um, to do it, they're not no. want to go with the known commodities this year, like the the, the you know the maybe maybe guy like Bryce Huff. Well, I wouldn't even say him. Let's say Lawrence Cager um, might not make the roster, even though he has talent, and a, a old veteran you know might get make the roster because they know what they have, and he knows the playbook and all that stuff. Because this year it's gonna it sucks. Like you, you can learn stuff over Zoom, but there's nothing like doing it, you know. So um, it's gonna be interesting to see you know what exactly happens with the NFL season. Uh, I hope there is a plan in place because I, I, I'm already going a little bit stir crazy with not watching any sports. Uh, baseball, listen, it's my fourth sport. I like it. But at the same time, I, I watch three innings. And I'm like, okay, I'm bored. Like, can you give me something yeah, here? No you doubt. know, uh, and, and basketball, again, 
I like it. It's cool. Hockey, cool, but nothing's like football. So uh, I, I need a football season. That'd be, that'd be brutal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know no. even if there is a football season, I'm going to be in the parking lot, most likely tailgating for a game. I'm not going to walk into if that's possible. I know that's going to happen with me and my buddies. So uh, yeah. there would be some support from the, uh, some support from the parking lot. But um, other than that quickly, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but again, I have a former NFL player on, on, on the show. Why not talk about it? Uh, I think it'd be stupid not to. The Jamal Adams situation, <clears throat> again, don't want to go too much into detail with it, but what are your thoughts? Him liking stuff about the Cowboys, not welcoming the Jets rookies, uh, saying now there's rumors that you know Le'Veon Bell talked to him and Jamal Adams wants to stay with the Jets. He just wants his money and all, all this stuff. What are, you, what are your overall kind of like bird's eye view of the Jamal Adams situation? <clears throat> What's like your final uh, thoughts on like what will end up happening with him? I mean, well, here's the thing. It's it's not even that the Jets don't want to pay him, to be honest with you. It's it, it's gonna it's just going about it the right way. So if we want to use did you hear McCaffrey? Uh did you hear Miles um, you know, in Cleveland? Did you hear them all up in arms throwing tantrums, liking other people's, you know? tweets and not welcoming the rookies and doing those certain things. You didn't hear a peep from them and all of a sudden, boom, boom. I didn't even know Miles Gower was getting a, a, getting a deal done until a couple of days ago when he got done. It was like, okay, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Um, Mahomes, you know, just as we alluded to, Mahomes is different. Obviously, he's a quarterback. Quarterbacks always, you know, you know they, they always get, you know, first deals on everything. That's a, they're on a plane of their own. They're, they're, they're in their own category of their own, so you can't include them. But it's just about going about it the right way because now you have made it difficult for Douglas as a general manager to not look like he's a pushover to player pressure in that regard. And look, dude, at the end of the day, as as great of a player as you are and as much as people may like you, here's the honest truth. Just like I said earlier, you're a commodity. You're a commodity. You're an expendable asset. And while there may not be another quote-unquote Jamal Adams in the next draft or whatever it is, there's somebody right behind you waiting, you know, waiting to take your spot. That's just how it is. Just not Ashton Davis. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> just a, I mean, just yeah, exactly. But <laughs> but there's somebody out there, and yeah, yeah. you got to think about. And this is, I guess, because of my experience, where I look I always look past what's happening. <clears throat> if I'm the general manager, I'm like, all right, well, you want to sit at home and throw a tantrum? Okay, let me go down the list and see who. Uh, and look at the the list of DBs in next year's draft to see what I got. You probably got like two dudes from Ohio State, probably got a dude from LSU, probably got a dude from USC or Notre Dame or Arizona State or somewhere. I'm like, all right, well, you know, we like this kid. He can probably – actually, he does a little bit more than Jamal. I'll tell you what, we'll send him on his way and we'll draft this kid. I'm just telling you, like, that's mm-hmm. – you know, that's you know that's how it works. You know, so <clears throat> you got to understand they're – and particularly – is going on right now and even though money's not necessarily tight for them but they're just not going to be willing and that's just not the way you go about it you're still in the contract you still got two years left um if you would just hold your water and not say anything and go about your business like McCaffrey did like Miles Garrett did your deal probably would have been done already his deal probably would have gotten done before one of those two to be honest with you it probably would have come second his deal probably would have gotten done before before Garrett. Um, I think McCaffrey's was already in the work at the end, towards the end of last year, so it was going to get done first. But his deal would be done, and nobody would be talking about this. So it's just about going about it the right way and doing things the right way and 
you got to understand another. He has to understand another thing. Yes, he's, I guess, somewhat become like the co-face of the franchise along with Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. So, yes, everybody loves him. I know he wants to be there. Obviously, the Jets want him to be there. You have to understand, you're still not in the category like Sam Darnold or Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. Like, you're not like, at the end of the day, those dudes are going to always be the face. Mm -hmm. So they're always going to get, be the ones that, like I said, they get first dibs. And if you were a quarterback, it'd be different. You can come out and say these things and your deal probably would have gotten done. You know, that's just how it works. But when you're another skilled player or something, you know, D lineman, O lineman, whatever it is, you just gonna have to wait till they get ready. Look how long, look how long it took for them to in Atlanta to take care of Julio Jones. And we're talking about probably right now, you know, the last five years, six years, whatever, best receiving the league. I mean, you yeah. know, between him and probably Antonio Brown. I mean, mm-hmm. and you see how long it took them to get, you know, get his extension or deal done. So, and and look who we're talking about. So. You got You have to look at it from from all sides. You know, you can't just be yes. You want your money? I get it. And he should get his money, no doubt. I, I hope he gets more than he even thinks he's going to get. There's just a way about going about it and doing it to be respectful of the club and of the team, so you can get it done. Yeah, it's uh, and like you said, everybody's expendable, and this isn't necessarily the, the best, I guess, comparison, just because Bill O'Brien's a psychopath. But look at Hopkins just got traded. He's he's number one, two or three in the league That's right now in up. terms of receiver. Exactly. You know, exactly. so, and I think even right now, for if you're talking about like wins versus losses, Sam Darnold's more important, obviously, than than Jamal Adams is. So, and it's it's yep. definitely interesting, and I've talked about it a couple times, but. It just seems like he was mad that Joe Douglas answered the phone um, about trade talks, and I think every good GM is going to answer their phone now. He's supposed to answer the phone, whether they <laughs> now because what's like, and, and this is unrealistic. But what if somebody's calling and said, "Hey, two first rounds and a second round," and you're gonna hang up and say no? So I think there's a difference between answering the phone and entertaining it, you know, um, right. reverse entertaining it. So uh, he seemed like he was pissed off about that, and then what it seems like happened, it, just from my view is that Chris Johnson told him that they're going to work out a contract with him because then after that point, when he was pissed off at Joe Douglas, he said he wouldn't talk to Douglas or Gates, but he would talk to Christopher Johnson. Christopher Johnson might have promised him a contract or at least talks of a contract. Nothing happened, and now he's all pissed off and liking stuff about the Cowboys and wants to be traded to all these playoff teams, even though he said he wants to build his own culture, which, listen, if you're a guy who's going to talk about building your own culture and you want to go to the Seahawks, that's not your culture. You're, you're walking a, into an already-made culture. So exactly. that you're, you're a quitter at that point, so I'd be pretty pissed, uh, exactly. especially if he was to go to another team and then not want a contract extension yeah he would be hated in in new york he'd be oh, absolutely no hated so um absolutely. i i think like you said and we talked about this before we went on the show if and with the mccaffrey thing listen i still don't agree with the panthers extending him um because he's one he's a running back um which he's important but at the same time are they in a position to win and spend a lot of money on a running back i don't know and then bell was talking about his situation with the steelers and said oh well i was in the same situation as jamal adams but no he wasn't Le'Veon Bell played out his 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 what is it four or five years, got exactly. franchised for a year, played under the franchise, then wanted a contract, and he still weren't given the contract. So he played exactly. for five six years. Exactly. Jamal Adams wants to get paid after his third year, so it's not the same situation. If Jamal Adams played out his four years, I would guarantee you he'd get extended after his fourth year. But now, like you said, the problem is. Joe Douglas comes from those strong organizations with the Eagles and with the Ravens who don't get pushed around. And now you're demanding a contract. So now if he gets that contract, now other players, Oh shit. Well now do I get a contract after after three years if I play well? So now what about Quinn Williams and your future draft picks and Mims and Donald? Like you don't want to get pushed around. So I think if he were to shut up, 
the entire season, he might have gotten extended already. So agree. It's, a, it's a tricky it's a tricky situation. But at the same time, you don't want to trade him because you're not going to get the value of Jamal Adams. I just don't think you're going to. So no, um, no, you won't. And, and like you said, if you're a general manager, any good any general manager, not even just a good one, you have to pick up the phone. Like mm-hmm. you just have to. If you're trying to do your due diligence in any kind of way, you have to pick up the phone, regardless of even if it's just to say no dice uh, on the trade. Yeah. But you have to pick up the phone. Like you, you can't go and just because as a general manager, not only do you need to do your due diligence, but just because the fact that you even took the call could potentially help you with a deal with that club next year, the yeah. year after that. Yeah, like yeah. you have to you have to keep those relationships. Mm-hmm. It's not just you know, it's not as simple as, well, why did you answer the phone? Well, you shouldn't answer the phone either. No, I have to answer the phone because I need to do my job. So it's... Yeah, and it, you run, and for the for the team that you're a part of, you, I know you're like a head coach slash GM type deal yeah. too, right? So you, I'm sure you, your best player, whoever it is, you know, Mike Thomas, I don't, I don't know what the hell his name is. And if he heard you answer the phone about a trade, like, I don't, I don't think, I just think it's a situation where he he's a little bit immature because like you said, like I said, there's a difference between answering the phone and entertaining it. It's not like they said, oh, well, first round pick, and then Joe Douglas was going back and forth. Well, eh, throw in Lyle Collins or whatever. Like, that might not even right. happen. So you have to answer right. the phone because what if they give you a trade package? You literally cannot um, – you can't deny it. Like, what, if, right. what, if it was, what if it was a first round pick in Lyle Collins, and that's going to help Sam Darnold in the future? Like, listen, exactly. Jamal, you're important but you're not number one. That's Sam Darnold. So if it's going to help exactly. Darnold. So I, it's, it's tricky. Obviously what it seems has happened is he, ever since these other guys are getting in contracts, I don't know if his agent got in his ear and was like, you know what? We fucked this up uh, because he hasn't, he hasn't liked any tweets. He hasn't tweeted about any of their contracts where every, everybody in the past, it was, uh, he would hear a rumor from a, a random Browns freaking uh, Twitter with a thousand followers that he was in, that Miles Garrett was in a contract extension. He would quote tweet back, "Oh, he deserves it all this shit. Fight for your money." But now he hasn't commented on anything. So I, I think he's trying to shut up to get a contract. To be honest, um, ever since Le'Veon Bell came out and said he wants to be on the Jets, he just wants his money. Um, we'll see what happens. It's just tricky that the way he acted. Um, you don't yeah, want to reward bad, I, bad behavior, was, you know? Yeah, and I'm actually very surprised that he acted that way because he seems like a good dude. Um, it, you know, I think if I'm recalling this correctly, his, he's, has, you know, his, he has a family history of, you know, I guess I don't that, you know, players that played in the NFL. His, da- his dad, his George, dad, played yeah, with was, the Giants for two years, but he got hurt. I think it was the right. second or third year he got hurt and was out of the NFL. Right, so, so it's not like he's not getting any inside info because I mean, let's just, you know, call a spade a spade with the exception of the actual amounts of money, the way that business is handled, it hasn't changed in regard to signing players. It really hadn't changed that much. So, you know, it's not like he's not getting any good information. I personally think, and I don't know who his agent is. It's probably some dude in his ear or his partners in his ear running them out, hyping them up, you know, you know, whatever it is without actually thinking out everything you know, and processing all the information and everything that goes into it. You know, that's what I think. Yeah, because you know, at the same time, if you, even if you really did want to get traded, you he, the best bet for for him would be to go to the Jets behind closed doors because going out in public now you're lowering your trade value. Now it makes it harder for you actually get traded. So who is in his ear? Whoever whoever's in his ear is exactly. not doing a good job because speaking out does not do you good in any sense. It does. So it doesn't. It doesn't do anything you, but hurt you. You're you could go. You could go to the GM. Hey, I want to get traded. Do you, we can't work on extension. No, I really don't want to be here. Okay. Then we we gotta trade you, but you lowering your your potential value to get traded for um, is gonna make it harder. So 
we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know if it's his dad who got injured and said, get your money now. I got injured. You know, look at me, uh, all this stuff. I, I don't know what happened, but like Ryan Clark saying he wants to go to this team and Cromartie coming out and saying, oh, it might be the head coach and all this stuff. I just think they're trying to pull every plug or press every button, I guess is a better term uh, to, to get a contract. But uh, he made it kind of hard on himself. But let's get into this year. Um, don't want to spend too long on Jamal Adams. I, I think eventually he he – I think he gets signed. I just don't know if it's before the season or midpoint in the season, if, if he's a good soldier type deal, because he is the leader. He's the leader of the defense and like the the face of the team or the second face of the team. Obviously, it's Darnold, but Darnold's on a rah-rah guy. So, um, Jamal Adams, uh, I'm hoping he gets signed because they just they don't have a lot of talented guys like that. Like they're, they're diminished of talent. So getting rid of your, your best player, an all-pro type guy uh, who literally made the all-pro team is it'll hurt especially me my my favorite player of all time brian dawkins you know i love hard-hitting rah-rah type safeties and uh losing jamal adams and you know playing a guy like uh ashen davis who you did the film review on me i think there's a big drop off (laughs) yeah that's a huge huge drop off there he is so uh so now we're going to be looking at the jets number one corner um i've said it all along and you've watched plenty of morris claiborne cape with me he gives me Morris Claiborne 2017 type vibes. You started watching Morris Claiborne like 2018 with me, so he was a little bit worse in 2018 and 17. But I think this year, and, and I already did the first you know 30 plays where it was before this. But Ben, but don't break. Uh, there's some there's some definite problems that he does. Uh, you're gonna see it right on right, right on this play. He's one of those guys, uh, Marcus, who will get up and press, and he consistently shot uh, soft shoes. He doesn't really like to get hands on. Mm-hmm. Um, and he always is going to throw out like, and, and it could, you know, for most times it is just to get back into his back pedal. But even when he is trying to press, uh, he will just throw a false step up instead of like a kick step, um, which we've talked about before. Like coaches te- teach that kick step just to balance yourself out. You want to react. So kick step instead of a false step and his, his weight going on his heels, but this is actually a good, a good rep for him most, mostly, but I'll play it out and then let you, uh, let you watch it here. Um, the one good thing I, I do, I do like his physicality. I, I like his length. Um, obviously like him getting his hand onto the shoulder of Hopkins. Honestly, I used to be really high on Hopkins after watching him against the seer two, three times. I'm, I'm not as high on his releases. His releases really lack a lot for me. Yeah. Um, but I, and, and obviously the seer is obviously throwing his weight right back into his heels, but he's able to land the hand on the shoulder pad. And then the consistent hand fighting is good. Somebody, somebody mentioned it to me like, Oh, he could have got hold uh, call for holding here that's a soft call um but i like the yeah, consistent like hand fighting and trying to get it like that that the hand you know the arm over top and we've talked about it before too the arm over top now your arms uh going to impede his hand going up for the ball etc so uh what do you see from this rep from uh this year yeah i mean the ref's actually not bad uh the only thing that, that i would say is because i mean honestly as i started to work on it more i actually started to play you know a little bit like this you know if even if it wasn't you know this bunch set or you know this tight split by the, yeah. by the wide receivers mm-hmm. um you know when you're playing kind of a soft press you want to make sure that even though you have outside leverage that you're when you're taking your soft steps or your pedals backwards that you stay square that you're going straight back you see here he gets cocked and he jumps immediately in yeah he's back on his heel and that kind of puts him in trouble here right know? here so, yeah and so you notice when he does you know put hands on him he's already behind and he's off balance so now he's trying to catch back up you know, once, you know, as the play is going, see how he's behind already. Yeah. Now he's behind. Cause really, if you're even in this way, especially with somebody like Hopkins who has the speed to, you know, to run off, you know, from a lot of guys, you know, if you're even, he's leading, you know, is, is, you know, kind of the same. So he's yeah. off balance because he's on his heels. 
Uh, would like to see him stay a little bit more square going mm-hmm. straight back. And then now he can just move laterally and st- be, you know, more on that top shoulder of the wide receiver and have a better angle, you know, and probably have a chance to play for, you know, make a play on the ball, to tell you the truth. Plus, you can squeeze, you know, he, he has a chance to squeeze Hopkins more to the sideline than he's doing. The ball takes Hopkins to the sideline, not this year. So, and now he's in, now he's just hand fighting, now he's in the trail position. So once he gets behind immediately, just because, mm-hmm. and I know it's little, but just that yeah. little jump inside or that little cock inside will put you behind and, and put you in trouble. But like you said, I like his length. And because he is long, he can't cheat a little bit, which, you know, I would, you know, I did that, you know, just, you know, I picked my spots when I did it, but you can cheat every now and then in doing this because you know you're long enough to, to, to be able to still be within where the ball is going to drop, you know, depending on, on what route you're getting. Yeah. And I think another point I watched this a couple times over again, too, is like, like you said, he's off balance and, you know, he does use that, that length from that right arm to get that hand in there and out in front of him. But at the same time, if Hopkins is ready for that hand, he's off balance right here. There's a lot of weight in his hands. If he was to chop right. that down, he he's gonna, he's gonna trip and then he's right. going to just, he's, he's going to stack them. So, um, you have to watch and it's, it's all about the little stuff. That's, that's mm-hmm. why I bring you on. That's why I do this because the little stuff matters because it, yeah, it might not have happened that rep. Um, but the next rep versus Hopkins, he chops that hand down. Now he's beat for a touchdown, you know, because he just absolutely burned you. Um, I think this is another decent rep again. He plays in that no man's land quite often. Um, Marcus, I, I, I don't know if it's you. I don't know if it's me and you who got to take a drive down to somewhere or over somewhere, but we got to talk to DB coaches about guys playing in that no man's land because I, I just don't get it, to be completely frank. Um, unless, obviously, like you said, it's like a you know, jambo, banjo, whatever type of coverage, whether it's tight split or, or you know, stack or whatever it is. But right. um, Yeah, he's right on – he's kind of right on the edge here. I'd like to see him maybe like another yard or so up. Yeah, just just a little bit. It's it's not yeah, a big difference, not, but it's not like much. The, yeah, that's the what difference I'm saying. Between two yards off and one yard off, I think could be yeah. pretty drastic. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's 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 probably right at right at the the beginning of where you know where we call you know call no man's land or, or where I would call it as well. He probably needs to be like another yard or so up. Um, takes he takes a false step. I mean. Yeah, way back on the heels. Yeah, way back on the heels. That's really the only thing I, I don't – I mean, that's what I don't like. And the thing is, is way back on the heels, first thing you do is raise up, which is what he does. So – and I know he's – you know, I don't know how tall he is, but, you know – He's know, pretty, he's like 6'1", I think. I think he's okay, 6'1". yeah. So he – he you know, anybody over, you know, really 6'1 and over, you got to stay as low as you can. And that's why Hopkins – even, you know, I know Hopkins is running forward, but because he has no base and he's standing straight up, I mean, it's easy for Hopkins, you know, Hopkins to throw in here at this point. Yeah, and he starts to angle off, too. Yeah, and so now he's locking himself out. Hopkins sees that, grabs the arm, and really mm-hmm. does a good job of grabbing the arm. Boom, throwing him off balance, and now you're completely out, off balance, and now you're playing catch-up. You know, that's the thing. And, it's, and it all starts at the line. You know, covering, mm-hmm. especially in press, all starts at the line. It's eyes. His footwork, his balance, his hand placement, mm-hmm. and he loses all of this. Eyes, feet, hands. Yeah, just from the, just from the jump, he loses it all. Yeah, because that no that no man's land. Like I, I rather and like with like physical receivers, I don't know how. I, I remember. I think you said you rather play the physical guys than the shifty guys because you were a bigger guy yourself. But mm-hmm. I feel like with the bigger guys, from what I've seen and watching film for a couple of years now, it's those guys. You're better off pressing them and getting physical with them initially. 
um, right. instead of letting them build up their momentum and and let you get into them at the at the routes that like the uh, the route breaks because like guys like Gronkowski, if you let him build up momentum, he's like a freight train. Uh, you know, just right. think, like think about like, running backs like Derrick Henry. We want to get into him quick. Obviously, that they're ever running back, but um, letting them build up speed and build up momentum is not a good idea. <laughs> right? Like yeah, no, it's better to catch them early because now, especially with a lot of big guys, they have a they, it's hard for them to stop and start getting back mm-hmm. into full speed. So the earlier you catch them, the better it is for you, you know, when you're pressing. So, yeah, with big guys, you probably want to catch them as early as you can. And, you know, at that point, they're either out of the route or by the time they get in, you know, get into the route, you know, the play is over. But you want to, you want to be the one to establish control you know, at the line of scrimmage when you're pressing. Yeah, he um, and like I said, Hopkins. I like Hopkins. I just don't like him as much as much as I used to after really watching his film. A lot of simple releases, and then just relies plainly on physicality. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I would probably say like Julio. Um, I think Odell, and it hasn't been in a couple of years, but he's more dangerous than a guy like Hopkins to me. Uh, obviously Brown, if he's back into the league, you know. Um, but regardless, he's still a top five receiver to me. He's just not. Yeah maybe one or two like he used to be after really watching him, which is why you should watch film and why people should watch film um, before establishing opinions on people. But um, top of the screen, again, a little bit of no man's land. You know, the ball is at the, is at the, uh, the 27. He's at the 25, a little bit behind the 25. And it's kind of, it's, it's really similar to, to the last reps we've, we've watched. Uh, wait onto the heels of that fall step. Pads raise up. He angles off because Hopkins stems him a little bit to the outside. And because he angles off now, it's now it's easier for Hopkins to get inside if he defeats that 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 like containment punch in the right hand, which he actually doesn't even punch. Um, he turns, but Hopkins has the inside, and it's and it's wide open. Um, <clears throat> does he get hit? Yeah, he gets hit. But gets hit. Yeah. it's 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 similar as the last two reps we've watched. There's really not much difference in this in this rep. Yeah, there's not much difference. I mean, honestly, he's actually like his. If you go back to the alignment, he's actually not. If you got a soft press like this, this actually isn't bad. It looks further. It actually looks further than where he is. So balls on the twenty-seven. He's running right on the twenty-five. That's two yards. I don't have a problem with that. It, it does. It looks further than what it is. The problem is, is once Hopkins takes his release, the first thing he does is, like you said, he gets the stem from Hopkins, and this this is where his eyes are wrong because Hopkins' lower body doesn't move. Mm-hmm. This is hit. Look, he's he's leaning more so than running to the outside. So that's. His eyes, the Sears' eyes are bad at that point. Yeah, they look so high now, he, right here. Yeah, he's he's looking high. Hopkins, all he's doing is leaning to the outside. The Sears starts to lock at you know, <laughs> starts to turn, and he locks himself out. Hopkins is just okay. Well, let me straighten up, and I'm gonna run this in cut. And so now you're locked out. So now, obviously, you're playing catch up, trying to turn. And then once he turns, the first thing he does is look back at the quarterback, and then try to chase Hopkins. You know, so yeah. this is just the point of you know having bad eyes as opposed to. Mm-hmm. Stand square, looking at his his belt buckle, you know, reading his hips. Because at that point, like you said, Hopkins had simple releases. All he had to do was stay square and shuffle laterally. And he would have been all over the route. You know, it would have been a dead ride at that point. Yeah, yeah. And um he, and I mentioned that in my weaknesses. <clears throat> I, I didn't do the weaknesses this week because I did it. If you want to go back, you can listen. Obviously not you, but if, if other people haven't caught that, you, obviously this is a, it's part two of the DC review. I said that when he gets beat – 
his eyes immediately go back to the quarterback, which is an issue in itself. There were some plays I saw that he could have made up ground because while Desir isn't the ne- necessarily the fastest, like top speed athlete in terms of his 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 twitch and, and uh, short area explosion type deal, um, I think he's pretty athletic in that in that sense. And I think for how big is he, big he is, he's pretty um, he's pretty uh, fluid. I don't know if we're going to see a great example of that, uh, you know, upcoming, but that is one of his issues. Again. Now he's matching Hopkins. The the one positive he was definitely um, he was their number one guy uh, with the Colts because he followed the number one really really frequently no matter where they went. So that's a positive. He he has reps yeah. against you know the the top guys, but um, he played some good games against Hopkins, some not as well. The first two reps he watched were a little bit better. This one's again three yards off. Uh, looks like heads up to outside, which I'm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, obviously heads up to outside for a slot is is fine, um, at least in my opinion. Uh, but again, you're kind of pressing while not pressing. Now you're not going to really, really use your hands unless you're super patient with your feet and your hips. And you're in a shuffle to stay over the top, which I'm assuming me labeling this to see you're starting to get beat inside a lot is not going to happen. <laughs> right. So let's. Uh, it's 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 really similar. Um, this time it doesn't look like he angled off as bad, but right. again, the, letting Hopkins yes. build up momentum. You know, it's not right. a good idea. Right. The where he gets in trouble here is he stays square. That part is good. Mm-hmm. Right here, he should be punch, he should be punching a lot earlier. Like he's waiting too late. Hopkins is already on his toes now mm-hmm. and, and getting ready to go into the route. You gotta when you're soft pressing like this, he's good being patient. But at this point is where you gotta punch or at least try to get your hands on him. You can't let him get into your body and then get into the route. So here the feet and the patience were good, but mm-hmm. he didn't throw his hands, you know, and, and disturb the route early enough. Like he should have, you know, he waited till he waited till too late to, you know, to hop in to get into his body. Now I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it does look like his eyes are back to the quarterback again here, which could yeah. be an issue. Um, so, but again, like I said, like, I, I feel like if he was to, you know, and even like, so he he does that little false step. He's not completely off balance here. And, and he, and he does get it. He pops up a little bit, but it's not like, terribly off balance but like you said right he, you need you need to throw a, a punch like you can't just consistently press and just not get your hands on then then just play off and take your read steps even though i know the read steps from the slots a little bit more difficult um right but at the same time you got to do something uh against hopkins obviously gets beat right there you know now it's third and one instead of hopefully third and 11 so um moving on again and and i feel like uh, when's the last time I did a review where we were really positive on a guy? I, I don't remember when it was. Um, I know it's been I, a minute. Yeah, I don't. I, and I don't do those reviews to be negative on guys. I just want to give my honest opinions of guys. Like, that's right. why Greg Dortch didn't work out. You know, Ashton Davis might not work out. I hope he does. He's raw. Desir, people, there's Jets fans who think he's like legit number one and, and bless Austin's going to be legit number two. It, it, he's not a legit number one. I, I think he's like a decent to below average number two. Um, I don't think you've seen enough film to agree with me there, Marcus, yet. But, um, you know, there's guys I'm positive on, you know, the Fant review I'm more positive on, Greg Van Roten, positive on, but secondary players, I, I feel like I'm a little bit more of a stickler on, especially from learning from guys like you. And and I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with this position, but again, here, uh, 21, he's at the 24. So it's not, it's not too bad, but yeah. press he's him. Close. I don't, I, he's, I don't. he's close. Yeah. He keeps getting beat by 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 playing this this soft shoe catch coverage, whatever you want to call it. I, I consider soft soft shoe more when you're when you're closer in press and then you backpedal where catch or or like this like squat coverage is more when you're already two to three three yards off to start. It's just difference in terminology. Right. Um 
but <laughs> what's different from the last rep? It, it's it's really there's really not much here, it's really, right? It's not, it's, there's not a whole lot of difference. But the thing is, and and the sideline DP coach, you you have you have the tablets. You're seeing that he consistently false stepping way onto the heels, pops up, not getting hands on, throwing it too late again, similar to the last rep, and he beats you inside on this on this uh you know whether it be a deep over that he that he angled off a little bit or dig whatever you want to call it, um, but now he's beat again. Boom, catch. Yeah, I mean <clears throat> it's it's no different than other reps to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, especially. Here's the thing: when you're that far off, you don't give yourself an opportunity to. You can't give that much ground. I mean, if you're two yards, you know, probably another two yards, and still be able, to, you know, be able to get your hands on guys. But when you're at this depth and you're right at, because the problem with no man's land is when you're pressing, you know, this close to it, um, is usually, especially on whether it be slants, you know, uh, you know, quick overs or what it drags, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, that, that wide receivers run, you're right at their break point. So you don't have an opportunity to establish any kind of ground mm-hmm. or any control because if you're trying to punch him while he's going into his break, yeah, especially if you're giving up the, you know, if, you, if you're losing leverage, you know, it just makes it easier for him to get into his break, you know, because you're trying to throw in your off balance and he's breaking, you know, run, running into the break. And you're yeah, you know, yeah. You're trying to you're trying to stop him. Like it's too late at that point. Now, and this is a good example. And listen, I'm not tackling Marcus Coleman regardless, but I I have a better chance if I'm going to try to tackle him when he has a yard of of build up versus him getting five to ten right. yards of build up. It, it's the same type right. of situation. You know, you want to get into him before they build up momentum, especially a guy like Hopkins. You know, um. Right. So this is uh, cover two. He I don't let's I don't know if he's to the top or to the bottom here. He's to the top. Yeah, he looks like he's at the top. So this is pretty. This is honestly a, there's a pretty easy inter- interception. To be completely honest, they're they're playing in cover two. He, he's that cloud yeah. corner. Um, now I now I like that he's at least and he he does angle off. So maybe he could he could uh, shuffle say over the top a little bit. But he gets his hands on. He gets a little bit of a reroute. Um, he passes them off, and mm-hmm. obviously he sees the guy leaking out, and you know quarterback overthrows it. Um, by the way. And this is something I said last week. So I don't know if you're going to agree with me here because you watch a lot of football in Texas. I like uh, Watson. I'm not as high on Watson as some others are. Like, I think he's really good, but people put him like in a category of Russell Wilson, that those type of guys. I think he's really solid. I just don't think he's the end-all, be-all. Um, he's had, obviously, some offensive line issues, but watching some of his film, especially in this review against uh, the Colts, I think it was three games I watched. He, he's solid, but I, I don't, I'm not as high on him as the national media, I don't, I don't think. I don't know where you stand I mean, on Watson. I mean, I like him. I think he – well, number one, he's not in the category of Russell Wilson yet. So let's just dispel that. I don't know what person wrote that, but they have no idea what they're looking at. <laughs> Does he, that's, that's, he's not – in that category, yeah. no, I think he, I think it's, I think it's Mahomes, Wilson, one and two, whoever you want to put them. Listen, I think if you put Wilson on the Chiefs, he'd have a lot of success too. So they're oh, my yeah. one and two. I don't know who's one, who is two. I just think the the Seahawks have done him a disservice with the offensive line they they've given him throughout his career. So yeah, I mean, but Deshaun Deshaun has not, now. Does Deshaun have a chance to be in that category? Yeah, because he has all the tools. I think there are. You know what what the media misses because they just watch the game. You know there are some reads that he misses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he he has had some you know careless turnover turnovers in regards to interceptions, things like that. Uh, but I mean, again, we got to remember. I mean, it's only second year guy. You know, whatever he is. So you know, he's young. You know, he's yeah. Still, I think he's going into his fourth year. 
Oh yeah, you're right. He's going. Yeah, because going to his third. Yeah, this is third year. Yeah, you're right. So I mean, he's still. I mean, he's still working his way in. Mm-hmm. I mean, tell you the truth, and I, there's not too many quarterbacks that I can think of, even whether it be Tom or Peyton or whatever it is. I mean, it it took him a little bit of time to get, you know, to get kind of get used to everything. So mm-hmm. he's still trying to figure it. You know, not necessarily figure it out, but he's fine tuning, and he'll get there. Um, you know, he's just. I'm not going to put him up there with Russell Wilson right now, though. Just, yeah, people no. seem to talk him in, in that in that sense. Like, he's, like, number three or four. I don't know if I'm going to put him that high. Honestly, right now, with the old guys getting uh, older, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't – like, the top, the top, top play of quarterbacks, it's not what it was. Like, there's not as many guys right, right. now. There's not. Um, like, Deshaun is good, but I don't think he's elite. Like, Rodgers has fallen off. Brady's not what he is – what he used to be. I don't care what anybody says. I've watched him for two years now. Like, the last year, he's been on the decline – Rivers, Big Ben, like they're all falling off. Uh, D- Dak's all right too. I'm not as high on Dak as some people are, uh, so I don't feel like the top top play is there. Where like a couple of years ago, it was, it was Rivers and Brady and Roethlisberger, um, and you had Wilson. Obviously, um, it, it's fallen off a little bit, but it's um, and and that's the important thing you said. Like he's in his fourth year, he's still developing. Sam Donald going into his third year, who had the worst run game in the in the league last year and had the 31st. Uh, ranked offensive line in terms of snap to throw with him getting pressured or hit, um, mm-hmm. he's gonna improve too. Uh, you know, at least I think. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. He they, they made some investments, but um, I already kind of described this play. I don't. Do you have anything to add? I, I think it's a pretty no. generic cover two interception with Watson. You know, throwing the ball off of his back foot and just just floating it over the the uh, the uh, running back who floats out into the into the flat. Yeah. No. This. I mean, this is you know. I mean, this is a simple play, to tell you the truth. I mean, he does do a good job of funneling, you know, funneling the guy mm-hmm. to the safety, you know, opens his hips. He can see, you know, he can play the seven if need be, but he still gives himself a chance to, you know, come back down on any short, you know, short route side in the flat, things like that. So, mm-hmm. no, nah, this is a pretty standard two play. I mean, it's how it should look. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some plays where, like, uh, it's just I'll, I'll, I'll see it. If you're like, oh my god, this play is so good. I'm like, it, it was pretty generic. Like, it was that, pretty. Yeah, that's it was what he pretty, was supposed to do. Pretty regular. Yeah, it's pretty regular. Yeah, that's to pretty, be honest, yeah. if he didn't make that play, I would be pretty pissed. So exactly, he made the play he was he should have made. It wasn't like anything elite, you know. Um, okay, so top of the screen again. You know that that no man's land. I I I don't I don't get it. I, I just I yeah, don't he, now now out. it's four yards you know yeah he's he's off pretty far right now yeah so I'm assuming he's gonna get beat um maybe he doesn't though I I think okay so this is a play so I I like the recovery here but Ooh. obviously the first phase again you know we get rinse and repeat what we've said yeah. um eyes go back to the quarterback yep immediately but now he has now he shows that makeup speed. And he chops down on the ball. So good good play on the ball and, and good length and, and quick area explosion. So good traitsy play here, but the technique isn't there. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I like the recovery. It definitely shows that he has the burst. Um, I just just give yourself a chance earlier. It would be my only, you know, move up a couple of yards and give yourself a you know a chance earlier. I mean, honestly, if you're up a couple of yards and, and you can get some hands on him and disrupt the route a little bit more, they may not this ball may not even get thrown because honestly this ball should get thrown here you know i don't it's right it is thrown a little late so watson actually gives him the chance to make up here right right yeah actually he does yeah he throws it late yeah so 
And he was looking there the whole time. And he was looking there the whole time, yeah. So he throws it late. So <clears throat> I just he just needs to move up, you know, another yard or two and give himself a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just so you, you're not caught in this position. You, you have to be the one, like I say, and I always say this, you have to be the one dictating everything at the line of scrimmage, not the wide receiver. You know, you have to be the one to try to establish the control and not react off of what the wide receiver does. Well, I, and I agree with that too, because I feel like at the line for the corner, like you, that's when you have the most control because once you let them release, they have so many different things you could do that they, right. you're running backwards in a compromised position. So when it's Manu Mimano and, and, you know, you're trying to release and get past me and I'm right in front of you. Um, it gives you a lot more of a chance to to contain the guy. Like if if you're playing, you know, if it's like you're playing tag and uh, you know you're starting my arm's length away, I'm gonna have a better chance of tagging you than if I was five yards off. You could do so much shit that I'm gonna get my ankles broken. You know, right? Uh, for the most part, obviously. Um, okay, so he is to the top again. Yep. So. This isn't a re- and this is why I think it's important to watch film. There's a lot of people who do watch film and they and they just go into either deflection or or pass call on them and they don't watch these type of plays. Um, so it's it's obviously pretty similar. We're gonna we're gonna criticize the um, that that he, obviously the fact that he's off the line and at least a little bit too far. This isn't as dramatic as it was the last time, but uh, yeah. there still is three four yards of distance. Uh, Hopkins is not on the line of scrimmage, uh, which I guess he technically should be right at this point. Um, Backs up. So the thing I like about this play is, again, it's, it's a traitsy thing. So I have an issue with the eyes right here because, again, well, he sells it pretty well. He gives him like this little like um, he gives him like the, that rocker step out, as I call it at the top. Right. And he opens up. Now he slingshots himself back inside. I don't know if you have a different terminology for that, but gets his hand on the chest and, and it allows him to flip his hips like that. So the length is good and the recovery is good. Just the technique, again, is kind of kind of off at, at the beginning. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, no, it's just a technique. I mean, here, I mean, once he gets the, the rocker step, you know, he gets back on his heels. Um, instead of, you know, keeping the pressure, you know, on the medial part of, you know, of his feet, you know, on the inside. Everything is controlled, you know, from, you know, there's a line that runs, that should run right from the medial part of your both of your feet all the way up the inside of your groin. That's where all your control mm-hmm. is. Yeah, the insteps, you know, yeah. Yes, so that's where all of your all of your control is. That's what allows you to move laterally. That's where your brakes come from. Like everything, all of your power, you know, in that you know regarding those movements comes from that area. So once he gets the rocker steps, you see, you know, kind of gets all balanced and he gets wide. And yeah, he has to throw his hand out. He doesn't have a choice, <laughs> you know, at this point. So it's all at the beginning. I mean, mm-hmm. now does he make up and get back on the route? Yeah, I mean, I give him mm-hmm. that. So I'm not going to take that away from him because it's never going to be perfect. But you're always looking. I mean, again, you're always looking to improve, you know. Yeah, worst case scenario, again, if 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 Hopkins is ready for that hand, he chops down. Now you're screwed. So mm-hmm. now he's off balance and he's beat easily on the whatever I want to call it, deep sl- or deeper slant. Um, and you know who cares? Uh, a lot of people get like they get crazy to terminology what they what they want to call it. Just you know whatever. But um, yeah, the technique here again, it's off. I like I like the length and the slingshot slingshot himself back inside. Um, Let's go to the next play. 43 out of 51 we're about to hit. So, again, like I said, it's relatively short this one. I don't want to keep oh, Marcus yeah. for too long. Marcus thinks I do enough plays already. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep him for too long. Um, he is on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's, it's all 
It's and, and this is the thing. Like, so it's it's been it's been a span of multiple games. Why does it not change? I, I don't I don't know. Um, because it's the same exact thing. You know, it's, wait it's on the, the heels, exactly. and now his pad level doesn't pop up as much. But his, his right. weight is on his heels. He angles off a little bit right there. Um, looks like his eyes are high, not low. Throws that con- that contained punch. Uh, the you know he swipes it away, chops it away, and he, now he's yeah. beat. And it looks like his eyes are back to the quarterback right here. Yeah. So. I mean, even if you get, he gets caught in this position, I mean, one, he throws with the wrong hand. Remember, you got to throw with the off hand. So while she was going inside, he should be throwing with his left hand instead of his right hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, the natural tendency, obviously, just because your natural instinct is you want to throw with the, you know, the hand nearest to where the person is going. But in order to give yourself a chance to turn and run with the route, you want to throw with the left hand. Like you always, so here, it should have been off hand, boom, and now he's running with the route. And obviously, I think he stays. He probably stays on top of the route as opposed to being caught from behind. You know, mm-hmm. throwing. You know, throwing the the near hand. You always want to throw the offhand. And now, another criticism of his eyes going back is you can see how it affects him in recovery, where he gets a little bit lost. Here, you see, you know, I, I always, yeah. I, I'll go to the point. I'll go to point to the screen sometimes, and I, I realize people can't see what I'm saying. But his angle is higher right here because right. his eyes are back. Then he changes his angle. He might have been able to make that up if he if he flattened his angle out because his eyes were on the receiver like they should have been. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, you. It's just like if you're driving or if you're walking. If you're looking one way mm-hmm. and you're driving or whatever it is, naturally you drift. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same thing when you're running. You know, yep. it's no different. You know, if I'm looking at the quarterback but I'm still running, I'm going to drift away. Not only am I going to am I going to lose ground, but I'm going to drift as well, which is what happened right there. There's a ton of motorcycle accidents that happen like that, actually, where people are, are looking where they're uh, they're they're looking to somewhere else than where they're going, and they, a lot of accidents that have, uh, actually happen like that. And you're mm-hmm. talking about the leverage thing, um, and you know the insteps instead of like the heels or the outside of your foot. And there's so many times where I go to I go to explain leverage or elbows or hand angles or something like that, and I'm like. I try to describe it. I'm like, listen, it's just a freaking science. I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't tell you exactly why that is, but, uh, I try to, I try to explain it as best I can. Um, so here I thought this was like, it, it looks like a first in first sight out type of coverage, but at the same time, it almost looks a little bit off where it looks like this guy was locked on the outside and he was locked on Evans right. who's up just because of how they take, they take it right here. Yeah. And sometimes it, it, it happens like that. Um, yeah, it looks like that's they why were. That's, and that's why they're lined up behind each other, the mm-hmm. way that they are. And so, and obviously, I mean, to tell you the truth, uh, this is a good job of film study by them. I mean, the only thing that I would say is, because you really coming out of bunch sets like this, you don't really necessarily know, uh, you know, who's going to go first. But if you watch the film, you know who's going to go first. And it allows you to, you take one, you take two. The only thing I would say is the the corner that's pressed up a little bit more needs to slide over inside, you know, like a half a step so he can take that inside route. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he so he's man on uh, Evans. The, he is able to stay over the top. Obviously, he, his hips are open, so he is a little bit susceptible right now to, to any if – if he was, like, pressing outside and was to run, like, a, a short slant or something like that. Um, so that's a little bit of the criticism, but he is able to stay over the top. And I like the – so this is where I talk about, like, the fluidity in the hips right there with that, with mm-hmm. that step. Right. I do like that. For yeah. sure, yeah. No, he he no he's he's a floor enough corner. You can even though we critique him on it, just the way that he plays press, 
he's got the, you know, he has the hips to be able to mm-hmm. to flip in and out of breaks and, and move laterally. Like, he has that. Like, that, that's not the issue. The issue is, is I think he gets too soft, um, you know, while he's pressed up on the line of scrimmage. And that's, you know, the main thing that gets him in trouble. That and his eyes, you know, it's kind of, you know, the thing that gets him in trouble. So, I mean, and this is fairly easy to cover, even though I would have liked him from the jump. If they're going to both line up square, you line up square too. Yeah. I mean, per- personally, I probably would have put them side by side at five yards and all right, let's play in and out from mm-hmm. that, you know, from that regard, as opposed to from, you know, right here. Uh, because nobody touches anybody anyway, so you might as well line up at five and make it look like something else and just play in and out. Yeah, because if he was in the knife inside, right. here, it's, <laughs> you know, he's pretty screwed, obviously. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I put him side by side at five, like, all right, you got first in, you got first out, all right, let's play ball. And then just let the routes develop, you know, and they come to you. Yeah, like I said, just note the, you know, obviously uh, he gets stemmed outside and then he just gets stabbed inside and that, that fluidity in the hip, the fluidity in the hips to react to that stab and then still get outside on him length right there to punch. I, I like that part of it, but um, the technique is still a little bit off, but definitely, like I said, a long fluid athlete, which is, which is good. Um, top end speed, he might not be able to keep up with Tyreek Hill, but who can? Um, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, and we'll see. I, I I don't know how he's going to, I wonder how the jets are going to play their defense this year. Like, I'm really cu- curious to see if they're going to play more. Like, I think it's like press man, cover three, cover two. I'm not too sure how much they're going to run. Um, I know that they do do Tampa two though, but I'm interested to see, I think he's fluid enough to play Tampa two or, or yeah. two in general, just because he, yeah. he is short area. Expl- he has a short area explosion. He has the length, um, but I'm not sure other guys do on the team. Um, Where so the, I'm interested the, to see. Yeah. Well, the defense of the coast run is similar to what the jets run. Mm-hmm. Which is why you you know they yeah. grabbed they're they're right. Colts East. They have Mateus Farley, they have right. Quincy Wilson, they have Pierre Desir, they have uh Nate Harrison who's a corner there, so that's why they pick him right. up. The only thing the only thing that's really different is I think some of the games up front involving the linebackers are a little different, like some of the stunts or some mm-hmm. of the blitzes. Oh uh, yeah. Um uh, yeah. but yeah, but most of the t- but they play man, they play Tampa, you know, those are their kind of their go tos. So what are your thoughts on this play? <laughs> like, go back go back to the beginning. I don't think you're gonna like this one. Yeah, he no, uh, like. I I don't even know what that is. That, yeah, that's pointless. Yeah, I, I, mean, I that's I pointless. Don't. Now, unless he got caught, unless he was supposed he was gonna bail. Well, no, he didn't get caught. He was just there. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, he gears down like he's gonna like find the. He's like looking at the ball and he gets caught. Obviously, slowing up right here, and Evans just right. blows right by him. Like. Get your hand on him, squeeze him to the sideline, get contact. You just you just right. lost one of your senses, and you just got burned deep by a guy who hurt his hamstring. Well, after here, it looks like he hurt his hamstring. Yeah, but this is that's one of the main problems of corners playing hips to the sideline, especially when you're trying to you you give that much space. Yeah, because you, you, you lose sight of him because now you're trying to read the quarterback and you're trying to see the wide receiver the wide receiver out of your periphery, and that's almost impossible unless you're just completely on top of the guy you're never going to see him it's just not going to happen yeah and if you are playing like that bail like that shuffle technique like you at right. least have to make sure you have outside leverage you can exactly. see him like let yeah. the break to the inside but you can't you can't play shuffle or bail or whatever and and let him i'll call it more shuffle and and let him get outside of you outside that just doesn't you. happen right so because if he right. if he did fight to maintain outside leverage here you know obviously he stacks me say there's a top that maybe he has to cut back inside and then he can then he could you know stand the hip but um, he looks back to the ball right here, never tries to find him, and he just gets beat deep. Like, I don't know if he yeah. underestimated Evan's speed or, or what it was, but that can't happen. 
Yeah, yeah, that's just bad. That's honestly just bad technique all the way around. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna like I said, Morris Claiborne type vibes. Uh, there's one play that's really gonna piss me off in a couple of plays. I know, so uh, get prepared for that. Oh, okay. We actually we have like about we have about ten more plays. So relatively, I was wrong about fifty one. So uh, let's see. Um, decent man rep. All right, top. Uh, he's a little bit tired to the line of scrimmage here. He just he's just mm-hmm. not on the line of scrimmage who he's playing. So that's not that bad. Right. I call it decent. I let's see if it is decent. Uh. All right. Did he get a pick? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. But that's so, actually that's actually not bad. Mm-hmm. He and I think is it, would, would you would you call it decent? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is decent. The only thing that I don't like is is but you kind of have to um, the pads too. Okay. Uh, is the pads and he just lets him cut across his body immediately. Yes, but right there. I mean, if you go back to what a lot of scrimmage was and where they took off, he hits him at a great spot. So now he's boom. He hits him kind of mm-hmm. a yard or so after the line of scrimmage. That's actually good. So now you're good. So now get your hand down so you you, know, you don't have your you know so you're not grabbing pads and things like that because you, so far you're winning the rep. You're winning the rep. You know now don't get called for a stupid penalty because you're grabbing up top. You know what I'm saying? Like I. You know, I don't know why why guys do that. Why you're so they're so handsy. You always got to feel like you got to grab. Like you see the dude right in front of you. But other than that, um, well, here just not letting them. You know, just not letting them cut across. You know, being able to gain access. You know, right across them immediately. You know, it's kind of the thing. Yeah, because if, if this ball was put in front of, I think I, I don't know who seventeen is to be honest. I don't I don't know what his name is. Um, if this ball was put in front of him, he, he probably is beat right here. Yeah, um, it's, catch. it's probably a catch. Yeah, because his eyes are back again. So, like, yeah, at the same time, like, somebody be like, oh, his eyes are back. He almost got the interception. But at the same time, if the ball was placed well, then it's probably a catch on him. And obviously, yeah. Hooker was there. I think I think 29 is Hooker. Um, but still, it's it's a little sketchy. So, I, I, that's why I called it a decent rep. Like, it was all right, but at yeah, the same it, time, yeah. he was, he some improvements. Was, yeah, he was good all the way up until he let him – you know, basically, he let him, you know, body him up and, and cross his face. Cross his face, yeah. In the beginning, he actually wasn't bad. That time, he was more patient at the line. He actually stabbed earlier, established oh, control. On. You just got to maintain that control all the way through the rep. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, have him to the bottom. Again, I think this is a little bit better of a rep. Um, less of a – he's, I, I, again, to the bottom, I don't know if I said that. A um, little bit less of a of a false step. It false is a false step, step yeah. but it's not – his weight isn't automatically back on his heels. Like, he still has shoulders over knees. Like, that, you know, that's good. A little bit more patient. Mm-hmm. Um, he, th- he throws he throws a hand. He looks like he lands a hand. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you'd like to see him shuffle and stay over the top a little bit um, yeah. instead of opening up and giving him that immediately. But, again, decent. Uh, gets his hand on and looks like his eyes are on him, squeezes him to the sideline. So, I like that rep. Yeah, that was actually a good rep. Just the only thing I would say is, you know, just when you throw the hand, just make sure you get a little closer. And, you know, I, the way I, I like it, if you got a hand on him and you're pushing him, you push his ass all the way to the front row. Yeah. Like yep. uh, yeah, just keep pushing him. I mm-hmm. mean, you might as well. So, you know, that's the only thing that I would say. Like you, and that's part of being in control. Like you, at that mm-hmm. point, you're in control. And now you do with him, you know, as you wish. So just keep squeezing him. Yeah, and yeah, and if he were to like you know say a little more square here too, and maybe say over the top, obviously it's a more effective punch, and then he has to it, it makes a harder angle to go around because when you, obviously like I said when he opens it, now he can just take this. Where if he was to say a little bit more square, now he has to kind of bow his route out to the sideline, and it aids him in squeezing him to the sideline. So um, again, there's some improvement. 
I don't think, and I think corners are one of those positions, like you can criticize almost every single rep of a corner because that's such oh, a yeah. hard position to play. Right. It, you know, um, minus like Revis on a few reps or whoever, but I'm sure there's plays where even Revis can improve on something. Yeah, no, um, corner is one of those deals where you can always, there's always something. Where it, it could be footwork, hands, I, it, I, there's always something. Yeah, so he's to the bottom right here. This is where like I get those Morris Claiborne vibes where he's in the he's in the shuffle and he just makes it too easy on guys. Um, looks like you have cover, yeah, cover one hole and he's shuffling and he opens his hips up to run deep, like, like right here, like way too early. So yeah. like I said, anything, anything but a deep route is he's beat just right now because of his hips. So I don't yeah. get, I don't get, I don't get it. Um, he gets beat on a, on a comeback, uh, really, really easily, you know, look yeah, at this let room. See, let me see what number that is. Can you tell what number that is from New Orleans? It looks like uh, if it is, no, it looks like, was that a four? I can't really tell, yeah. I don't know. I mean, so I, and the only reason why I say that is because, okay, if it's Ted again, like, I get why you may play off. Now, I, I don't get why you would play off like this. Yeah, I can't know, see the number. Because you, you, don't, you don't give yourself a chance. I mean, you're basically giving them the route at this point. And, you know, I think it's second and, I mean, I know it's second and five. I mean, because like, like, Yeah, like second and three, it looks like right there. Second and three or something like, yeah. Second, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to see where the stick is cut off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and teams like the Saints, they like to take shots on second down, especially like second and short, second and thirty six or thirty five, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So I get the thinking behind it, but the take I mean, technically it's still bad though. You know just at least give yourself a chance. Like I get I, I get the shuffle, and like you said, like maybe film study, they like to take shots here, second and three. But at the same time, I like, don't have your hips completely open to run like right. His hips there's no way he's getting back on that. Right, because at the end of the day, it's still man. So at least still, yeah. you still got to give yourself a chance. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Play 49 man rep versus Thomas. Uh, let's see if this works out well. I know there's a play oh. that's coming up in the Saints game that I really do not like. <laughs> All oh. right. So honestly, not a bad rep, a perfect throw and a perfect catch. But again, he's not as far off, but still kind of far off at the same time. False, false step way under the heels. Helmets or pads pop up angles off he gets both hands on which is good eyes go back to the ball it's it's really not a terrible rep i don't think marcus i don't know if you agree but it's just perfect catch perfect perfect throw is really it is really almost impossible to beat um unless you play it perfectly yeah what i don't like about it is go back to the beginning and leave it still okay the colts do like to play when they're playing their man free stuff or whatever it is they do like to play head up the outside okay well michael thomas is three yards outside the numbers here just by rule, I'm gonna line up inside. Yep. You know. Anyway, because he's now, wild, he's on that wide. He wants to go inside. Right. Because now I'm exactly because mm-hmm. and now just by rule, like I have the advantage because if he does release outside, I have less. You know, he has less room to work outside, and it gives me the advantage. I can squeeze him more to the sideline as a play in here as opposed to here by you lining hit up the outside and he's already three yards outside the numbers, you just created more room for him by giving him that space. So yeah, you may be, he may be on him outside in, but look at the hole and you're getting double slant. So now there's a bigger hole. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. Yeah. 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 I, I, I get, yeah. I get it completely. Yeah. Yeah. So the inside's got running the slant, mm-hmm. he's creating space and he's creating space for Michael Thomas because he knows that, okay, well, they like to play here at the outside. Cool. All right, well, you run a slant and I'm running a slant right behind you. And there's going to be this huge hole there, which, and yeah, he gets back 
I mean, but it's still puts him behind. And yes, it is a great throwing catch. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, but you could give yourself, more, you know, a better chance if you were actually head up or if you're playing more head up the inside and it gives you a better yeah. chance. Wow. No, it's important too. Like, and I, I don't know if I mentioned that when I did the thing, the, the review, but it's a good point in, um, in terms of alignment, like changing your alignment based on their alignment is important. So if, if he's already this far outside, he wants to go inside. So cheat inside because you have the ability to cheat inside because he's so close to the sideline that if you just play it decently outside, you're going to squeeze him. So right. Right. yeah, that, yeah, that's a good point uh, for sure. Yeah. So and that's, that's, that's like little things. And I know, I mean, you've learned, you've learned to do that. The more film that you've been watching, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people don't see that. You have to see the alignment of the wide receivers. Is he on the numbers? Is he, you know, midpoint the numbers, outside the numbers? The thing, for example, I was watching the old film. Um, they were showing old practices of, um, of Jerry Rice and how Bill Walsh ran. You know, they were just kind of showing, it was the history of Bill Walsh, but they were showing practices. And I was listening to the, you know, to them talk about Bill Walsh, but they were showing Jerry Rice run, um, I think it's run there, and it's their famous like post corner or post out route is what they call it. Mm-hmm. And it was literally like, I picked up on it immediately. So near hash, out, uh, one yard outside edge of the numbers, you get in post out. If it's in the middle of the field, they line up in the middle of the numbers, they run the post out. If it's far hash, you line up, they lined up one yard inside the numbers and you get the post out. Mm-hmm. So it's just like little stuff like that, that yeah. you know, a lot, a lot of people don't pick up on, but you know, when you're playing corner, like you have to see that, you know, you have to know where the ball is, which hash is it on. Um, okay. Where's he line up? Okay. He's midpointing the numbers. Okay. I may be getting this and this, and then you can play ball at that point. Yeah. And that's a, that's a frustrating thing when I see, um, these consistent linemen of like of him of him playing you know too far off or doing whatever because people don't realize like in the NFL like you have coaches who are watching okay on third and five in this situation in the game on this part of the field the tend to run this and this guy does this route like they have the analytical side like down where they give you the percentages mm-hmm. the DB coach breaks it down this is what he likes to do this is what so I don't know how they allow these guys to keep playing like that that no man's land type stuff because they break down every single situation against every single defense and every single situation in the game like it's crazy how much shit yeah. there is that, that, yeah. you, it's, it's, that NFL it's, players are fed and they do should be doing on themselves, you know, by themselves as well. That's why the guys like Revis and Jamal Adams, like more elite or elite type players, you know? So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of info. This there's honestly, there's so much information that's given and you have to remember and understand. And then you have to really be able to execute it and know what it is in like fractions of a second. Oh yeah, shots be, be fired quick. Yeah. I mean, you gotta. So yeah. you have to know everything in a fraction of a second. Then you gotta play ball. Then you go back and you get a different set of circumstances, different formation, different whatever. And you have to know that you know, be able to decipher that formation at the same time, and it keeps changing all the time. So I mean, there's yeah, there's a lot. To, like you said, there's a, a ton that goes into it. You know. And there's yeah. a corner, you definitely have to know all of that stuff. That's like I'll be at a bar at a game and they're like, this place sucked. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I'm not going to comment <laughs> because like, and I, and, and to be honest, like I, I know a decent amount, but I, I don't know shit. Like I don't. Um, so it, it's, it's crazy to like hear some people's opinions on players. Like, oh, this guy sucks. I'm like, based on what? Like, based what are you talking what? about? Right. That's why I don't Or this place sucks or, you know, whatever. 
You just like, got to learn how to tune them out. Yeah, like th- there is even a situation, and it was described like the, one of the first books I read. I've watched a ton of coaching clinics like uh, uh, Jim McNally, stuff for the offensive line, et cetera, DBs, and Mark Parsons. He does stuff on Twitter. Like there's, there's a bunch of guys I watch to learn. Um, and there was actually a situation where, where guys were arguing for the Seattle play call where they, where they didn't run the ball. And basically, it was because the only – I forget how they described it, but it was actually a really good argument for why they why they passed the ball right there because they, they felt like that was the last situation they could pass based on timeouts and something like that. So, like, but everybody, you know, whatever. We're not going to get into that conversation. I, I, yeah. I would like to read it from the book because <laughs> um, just people don't really know. I, I, don't, I don't know. And maybe they should have ran the ball with Marshall Lynch, but the pass call wasn't actually as bad as some people think it was based on the situation in the game and the timeouts they had because and, and the time in the game. Um, right. if, they had, if they were going to pass, that was the only, the, the only play they could, do, they could have done. I think it was like one timeout, second down, so they needed to pass the ball. Uh, I, I, for, I forget what it was, to be honest. Yeah. So um, this is the really frustrating play. Uh, top of the screen right here, he's playing like that. I call it like two LOS, like two line of scrimmage, right? angle off your hips. You're going you're gonna to squeeze anything inside or press anything inside, whatever. Um, this is Taysom Hill, and he gets beat by Taysom Hill for a touchdown in really frustrating fashion. <laughs> Again, you know, if that's your, if that's your man, if that's your assignment, that's your man, that's your assignment. His eyes are inside for way too long. Taysom Hill yeah. bends it inside, releases outside in the corner. Now he's beat for a touchdown. Yeah, well, he, he, I mean, he, he doesn't make the tackle here. He, he breaks it, but. Well, yeah. I mean, well, the first thing is I personally, I don't like that alignment. Okay. Um, and say, you know, secondly, yeah. I mean, you're, you're staring at Drew the whole way. Mm-hmm. He's staring at, he's staring at the quarterback the, whole, the entire time. Like there's, especially in this situation where, you know, you've got, you know, and I guess, you know, I guess you could say he's an H back, you know, heel is. So mm-hmm. um, even though it's unbalanced, I mean, it's still a heavy, you know, a heavy formation. All right. Yes. You know, you possibly can get run, but with heel out there on the edge, you know, your chances of pass go up. So make sure you're eyeing him because I don't think they want him to do too much blocking. Make sure you keep your eyes <laughs> on, yeah, on Taysom Hill and, and just get ready to play the route. You know, it, you know, I don't, you know, him looking back at Drew Brees ain't gonna help him at all. Yeah, he's even. He's leaving now. He's in no shit mode. Yeah, he's gone. And uh, right. obviously, at the top right here, you know, he uh, looks like he has to flatten it out a little bit just to, you know, based on where the ball is at this point too. My problem is here. It looks like he starts to punch the ball out instead of securing the tackle. Yeah, just, just wrap up, dude. Yeah, and wrap you up. Lot, you see a lot of DBs do that now these days. They rather go for the strip and the punch first than securing the tackle. And then going for the strip first. Yeah, because now it's okay. Well, I got beat. But now I'm going to make you fumble it. Now it's not going to be a bad play for me. But at the same time, make the tackle. Now they're at the eight yard line, and maybe you shut them down. And now it's a field goal. You know, or exactly. you know, exactly. Live so fight another day. You can punch. Like there's certain situations where people can punch the ball as as a first one there. But I've generally been taught second guy there punch the ball. Yeah, out. yeah second man in, right. Second man in. You unless know? you unless you have complete control. Like if you the yes. wide receiver catches it, and you you have complete control where mm-hmm. one arm is completely wrapped around him. Mm-hmm. Now you can maybe slide a punch or two in there before you completely take him down. But like here, he doesn't have a chance. You He's make, coming into the tackle with the punch. Just, yeah, just make the tackle at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not that's that's a terrible play all around. That's that's inexcusable to me. Uh, oh, pulled up the wrong window. Okay, play fifty-one out of fifty-six. Cover three rep. Uh, this is against the Panthers. I I think tennis Curtis Samuel. I believe. I don't know. I don't know who, whose number is which with uh, DJ Moore versus Kurt, Curtis Samuel. That's Samuel. Okay, I was right. Thank you. Yeah. So. Again, shuffle technique, it's better than ah, – he still isn't going to be behind he gets, him, which is sketchy. He gets, he gets lucky here. <laughs> he, he gets the only, 
it's an underthrow ball. If this is a normal yes. ball, he's is he's done. Yeah, I think I'm, I am. <laughs> I am. I'm almost one one thousand percent sure because what I do is like I'll I record the plays. I don't really watch it. I watch it about ten times. Then I put up my description. I'm almost hundred percent sure that I said he's lucky here. And if he, and if he kept running vertical, he was beat deep. Yeah, now I do bad. like this part. Okay, gets his hand on right here. Gets the uh, the point of contact. Tracks the ball. Gets the pass deflection. But at the same time, he's burned. If he keeps he's running, done, yeah, yeah. If he keeps running, he's done. If this is if this is a good ball, he's done. Like no, he's got no chance. Yeah. So, so lucky, a little bit lucky. I, I like the yeah. hand, you know, the hand to, to feel him out right there and, instead of just tracking the ball. So good job with that. But at the same time, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to shuffle. You can't let him get behind you. You just can't. So, especially you got inside help. I don't know what this defense is. It looks like it might be like a cover three or something like that. Yeah. It's hard to tell what they're playing. Yeah. Else. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's uh, go to play 52. Rock in a hard place. I remember putting this as a rock in a hard place, but I remember I gave him a little bit more criticism when I when I uh, watched this play. Uh, cover two on the goal line uh, in the red zone right here. And the thing is, here he's again. He, they run that this like this smash concept, um, or you can call it a flat seven, but it's a smash variation right here. They're putting the pressure on the on the curl to flat. Curl to flat has to play deep to short like rally make the tackle now it's first right. and or, or second and five or whatever i don't know what the, what the, what the uh what the down and distance is or at least the what down it is okay so it's first and ten so i think he needs to play a little bit deeper here because if this ball is on a line on a rope and it's not what is that kyle allen throwing the ball he's beat right here and it should have been a catch Ooh. honestly actually yeah so he puts well, a little bit too deep but I, I think he he plays this a little bit too. Uh, he he's choking up a little bit too far up uh, up the field. Well, yeah. The thing that I, I don't really one, even if even though it's in the red zone, you still it's still two. Like you still want to create the disruption at, mm-hmm. you know, within that five yard range. So I, that's the first thing that I don't like. The second thing I don't like is the safety has no idea what he's doing. He's too busy staring <laughs> at the quarterback. Because <laughs> because honestly, that that's deep seven should be more of the safeties, man. The corner's just there for underneath help. That's what people don't get about cover two. Mm-hmm. The corner's job in cover two is you make sure that the ball is thrown over your head to allow the safety to be able to play the deep route. And you funnel it to allow the safety to get that yes, route. Yes, and you break up and you take the short route. If it's coming out to the flat with you, also, you know, you're there for run support. That's the main job, you know, for the corner to safety on, you know, on that side. So, you know, I would like to see it. I would like to see the be more square here and still jam the wide receiver, which if he does that, it allows the safety to be a little more closer to the seven route and it gives him an opportunity to be closer to the flat route at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah, so it's a shitty play all around. Then, if you're, yes. you're talking about this, yeah, the safety who, uh, like you said, is lost. He's 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 not doing it. like that's the, that was my problem with Ashton Davis's tape is he was all all athletic traits, but in terms of like reading the quarterback, he just eyes on the quarterback. And if your eyes are on the quarterback in the NFL, uh, you know, obviously at at certain points they can be, but for the whole rep, you're you're you know, let's be, let's be frank, cover your kid's ears, you're fucked. Like it, it, you know, there's no way. So, play fifty three. Uh, this year, cover two, patient length. All right, let's see. He's to the top. That looks like him. Yeah, ten thirty-five. All right. So, 
Yeah, outside shuffles gets gets hands on. Now this is Olson. I I was Olson still on the pan. Yeah, he was still on the Panthers last yeah, year, right? There. Yeah, he was still there. Yeah. Okay. So that's Olson. I didn't realize we had this view. So a little bit more patient. He doesn't open up completely. Uh, I think he opens up maybe a little bit earlier, like right there. Like if he, this was to be a little bit sharper of a break, he'd have to do like maybe a speed turn. Right. Um, gets his hands on. And I really like how he plays the ball right here too. Um, wraps wraps him up. I like that. Punches through. Yeah. Doesn't swipe good. at it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this rep? He stays outside. It's a pick. <laughs> make, it, make it easy on yourself. <laughs> I mean, if you maintain the outside leverage and not let Olsen cross your face instead of having to fight to knock it down, I mean, it's a pick. Yeah, and that's my thing with his hips right here too. Is like I, I feel like he's playing a little bit too conservatively with a bigger – like with, with a tight end because if he was to have his hips a little bit more, um, I guess, like square to Olsen instead of opening up, like even if Olsen did run like a post or you know right to the back of the of the end zone line, he can make it that ground up. Yeah. So I think he plays almost a little bit too conservatively. And that's why Olsen yeah. gets outside. And he's got a safety sitting there, even though I don't know if I would necessarily trust him because he, he's, <laughs> he's, he's you know too flat footed. But yeah, just hold your outside leverage, you know. And this and it's a easy. I mean, it's an easy interception. To tell you the truth. Yeah. Now, good length, good power, I guess, to, to match him at the top of the, of the route break. Plays the ball well. That's where the length comes in right there. We're, I talk right. about like that that quarter of an inch, that inch matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and good, like I said, good job, st- like kind of almost more stabbing through than swiping. Swiping, you kind of give yourself like that half a second window to play the ball, where if you stab through, it's, it's through the entire time your arm is stabbed through, which is longer than a swipe. So, yeah, well, I, mean, right I mean, yeah, like I said, it's not going to always be perfect. He made the play, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. again. I mean, but. You know, if we're nitpicking and critiquing, you know, that would be my criticism. Oh, you that's, know. that's that's why you're here, and that's why I, mm-hmm. I do this show. I don't like to just be like, oh, great play, no matter what. If pass deflection means it's a good play, you know, which it was a good play. I still put that in the plus category, but it could have been better. Mm-hmm. Um, top, this year, uh, good press rep, all right? So, now, the only thing I'm going to criticize here is, that, I don't know, does this, does I go inside, right? There, I don't know if his eyes are inside right now. I, I don't know what that, what yeah, happens right there. Yeah, but, it's hard to see. But he's square. He stays square. He actually gets his hands on while staying square. Holy shit! Novel concept. It works. <laughs> gets his hand on, squeezes him to the sideline, and um, maybe I, I don't know if he just had a feel of 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 the uh, the quarterback looking back. The only thing is like looking back right here when he's not necessarily hip to hip is a little bit risky. I would say. Yeah, go um, back to the go back to the beginning. I'm just trying to see what they're playing because I don't, they look like, like they're Tampa, playing Tampa too. Well, they look like they're playing like trap at the t- where he is, and they look like they're playing corners at the bottom. Yeah, maybe that's like a cover six. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, yeah it looks like cover six. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it looks like it looks like you have the deep fourths and then the deep the deep half right. right there, and he's right. and he's in a curl flat. Yeah. So then I guess you could say, well, why'd you let him get outside? So it's a funnel to the safety. <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, if he, if they're playing straight too, but some people do trap out of six as well. Oh yeah. So, yeah. I, I so know just, there's so, traps out too. Yeah. So, you know, he, if they're playing six and he, maybe he's playing, he's just playing trap technique, you know, in that regard. I mm-hmm. mean, but I mean, again, just going back to what you were talking about earlier, he's square, gets his hands on him. There's a good job of forcing the ball away to the sideline. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, the wide outside of the play. Yeah. So now, I guess that's mule shoe, mid shoe, whoever it is. You got to look back and, and make you know throw it somewhere else. Yeah. Is that mid shoe? Yeah. Fifth, fifth, I think he's fifteen, right? Yeah. 
He tore, I think, I, I forget how he played against the Jets. Honestly, after like the Patriots game where they got blown out like 42 to zero, I just started drinking and watching the games. I don't remember what happened. <laughs> Not in the moment, but at, at this time, it's a little, it's a little fuzzy. Um, all right. Uh, good cover two rep, but he's at the bottom. This is our second to last play. So, um, okay. So obviously I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to assume that, you know, we, okay. We'd like to maintain outside leverage, but you'd like to get hands on to, to, to jam reroute yep. him. Exactly. Um, okay. now this could have been a trap too, where he was really looking to that, to that number two right there. And that number two cut out. Now he passes that off to the States. He's going to jump the, jump the, uh, jump the out from the two. So good makeup speed to, to get, um, underneath the throw right here and get the tip good length and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, definitely has a good lead. Yeah. I just like to see him get hands I mean, because it. that's the thing you get hands on it puts you, even if he's playing trap from that position, just getting hands on the number one wide receiver will put him closer to the, to the out, you know, they work hand in hand. Yeah. Well, now you have less distance to cover because now you have, you have hands on and now you're not trying to right. run with him deep while trying to have to, you know, to, to plant and break on that. So you put yourself in a better position. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So decent play again, could improve some stuff, but, uh, last play, let's see what this is. Are we going to end bad or yeah, we're going to end bad. Okay. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, two. Okay. So my criticism here, I guess, uh, too far off third and three looks like he's to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Especially on third and three. What are you doing there? I, I don't get, I don't get that. I, you know, you're, you're shuffling, bailing, whatever, Third and three, short in, you're gonna get beat ten times out of ten. Yeah, that's this is just right situational, is. you know, under, under understanding. Yeah, game awareness. Like, uh, what are you doing here? So, yeah, the double in, or the slam the in. Yeah, this is just this is this is too easy. Uh, like you said, like I Michael Thomas thing before. Like this short in is to if, if this was zone, like draw anything in from there, and then you're just working right. the outside here. So it's like a, it's a, probably like an inside out read. Yeah, oh, yeah. inside, yeah, inside to outside, wide open. Way too easy. Yeah, way too easy, yeah. And that linebacker is never going to get there. Not from the middle spot. It's just there's too much ground to cover. No, yeah, no way. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know they're – I mean, they're playing man. So, if you think third and three, obviously, you want to move and press. You don't want to be in a situation where you're bailing off, you know, on something, you know, third and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. So, and and there were some there were some good plays um, that you did not see, Marcus. Uh I don't know if there's anything I should really bring up. It was generally the same. Like when, you know, when he uses his physicality, when he stays square, it's pretty good. The fluidity, the length, um, things like that are all positives. The, the technique is, is off at some points, but what are your overall thoughts on like kind of uh, from what you've seen, what, what the series is, what he offers to the jets? Like, and I know people like to put labels on, which I, I don't like saying, you know, number one, number two, but because of you know fans like to hear that stuff is he you know a decent number two i call him like a like a below average to decent number two i think that's what he can be but people who Mm. think he's like a good number one i think they're far off honestly i think on a good team he's a good depth like third fourth guy i think for the jets he's going to be like a maybe hopefully an okay number two um but i think if he is playing against like guys we, we play guys like hopkins this year we play uh, Stefan Diggs, you know, he's going to get, he's going to get torched a little bit this year. I I, I think, but yeah. I think he'll, well, who, he's not terrible. Who's, who's number one on the Jets right now? He is. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> he's your number one. Um, I do like his length and his, his athleticism. He's not super fast, which we've seen, but um, his burst is good. Uh, technically he needs to clean up a lot and, I don't know if it's going to change from because he's so used to playing in that. He's like twenty-eight system. years old too, you know. 
Yeah. And so he's so used to playing in the coach system where, you know, they play most a lot of their man, you know, head up the outside because you have a whole player or they have a post player, you know, as well with, um, you know, with Greg Williams, where it's kind of the opposite. You know, he's more everybody's playing inside, holding inside, you know, unless something has changed, uh, from, you know, just for me watching, I, you know, recall yeah. that's how he, like, how he likes it. So has to get used to that. But, you know, we'd just like to see him with that length and his ability to be more physical at the line of scrimmage. But I think, I mean, right now he's your number one. Um, I do agree if he was on a different team, you know, that had, you know, decent corners, you know, he'd probably be, you know, I mean, God, God forbid, like he ended up somewhere like Miami, he'd probably be like the fourth dude. You know, to be to be honest with you, yeah, I mean, even yeah. in New, even in New England, he'd probably be like the third or fourth dude. Yeah, so, you have McCordy and Gilmore starting over him. Right, that's what I'm saying. So, so, like maybe like even maybe he's a fourth or even like on a on a good team like with a good slot. Like maybe you know the slot guy plays on the outside if it's if it's base personnel, which it rarely is, and then the slot guy you know slides inside when it's eleven right. personnel, whatever, and he comes in. But like I think he's a third or fourth, like a good number three or four mm-hmm. uh, on a depth chart. But relying on him to start consistently, uh, I, I'm not the biggest fan. But at the same time. With saying that, um, I think it's a jump up from what Tremaine Johnson, who got benched last year, yeah. and what Dow Roberts was. Agreed. So, and he's better than Arthur Arthur Millette. So he's he's better than those guys. But the Jets' corner position is not fixed. Like you're, you have to hope that Bless Austin, who sixth round pick last year, uh, played relatively well. He got benched, but he played well for three, four, five games, which is good for a sixth round pick for sure, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, Bryce Hall, who we watched film on, who I, I think was our last like relatively positive review. He had some things to work on, but yeah, you have to hope Hall turns into number one too. But I, I think next year you're looking at the Jets and you're saying, okay, they they still need at least a one, maybe a one and a two, and you develop guys like you know pull yourself pool in the slot. You have Desir, you have Hall whatever, but I think you need at least one corner for the Jets next year, and you need at least one outside linebacker on, on defense, then, you know, offensive line, receiver, et cetera. But uh, uh, any other last words, uh, Marcus? I know we talked about it a bit, you know, before, maybe when we started recording, maybe it was before, but uh, maybe we'll have you back on for Quincy Wilson. And then other than that, like I said, um, unless there's a game, you know, you want to jump on, we'll be seeing you next off season. But like I said, if there's a game where it's like 31 to 28 and Jets was a really good game, you want to come on and, Maybe if it's against your your Texans or I, th- I think uh, you said you're a Texans fan, but you're, I don't know if you're kind of a Texans and a Jets fan. Um, oh no, I claim both. Claim both. Well, we don't play the Texans this year anyway, so unless yeah, it's like in I the wild card, right? Yeah, yeah. which you want. No, uh, it's not going to happen for the Jets, I don't think. But yeah, no, I mean honestly, and I know there's only so much that you can do in the off season. I mean, obviously, you address offensive line issues with which you know Douglas did. Yeah, yeah. I would like to have seen him you know, maybe address the secondary a little bit more because well, the, Logan Ryan is a guy who, sorry to interrupt you, know, you uh, was a guy who was close to sign with the Jets. So maybe if they sign him because it seemed like they were close, but it seems like Logan Ryan wants around nine, 10 and the Jets are willing to give like seven ish. Like what it seems. Right. So maybe if they sign him, that'll, that'll be big because Logan Ryan's a lot better than Arthur Marlette to see yeah. type guys. So maybe if he, yeah. maybe if he signs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause they, I mean, they definitely need help, you know, at that spot and, you know, just look around the league, you know, the teams that have really good corners or good secondary players. Uh, I mean, even, you know, like Miami, you know, they play a lot of 6DB, you know, combinations. A lot of teams are starting to do that now just because of how offenses are. You know, yeah. really, you don't – you almost have to have, you know, just to label it for everybody, you almost have to have like two number ones and a couple of number twos now. 
or have a one A and a one B and a couple of number twos, you know, at the slide at the safety spot. That's you know because of the way the games evolve, that's what you need now. And, and honestly, I mean, the Jets are kind of far from that right now. You know, they are. They just truly are. You know, yeah. they, you know, New England's probably got. You know, you know, they're a good secondary, obviously, with Gilmore and McCourty. Uh, my, like I said, Miami's made some moves. Um, Seattle's yep. not Seattle, but uh, yeah, Seattle's still you know good at corner with Flowers. Um, and the young kid that came on, I can't remember his name, plays right corner. Um, uh, you know, Griffin. So, yeah, Griffin, and there's one more. There was, I think he was either a rookie or a second year guy last year. Uh, um, somebody got hurt and he came, and I can't remember his name. Yeah, I don't remember. but you see, you know, if you look at the trend, I mean, even Kansas City, you know, look at San Fran, you know, they they have steady corners that are good. You know, the safeties are good. You know, good cover guys. You know, and that's because of the evolution of the game. And so you need that depth, you know, in the secondary to be able to play and. Like I said, the Jets are far off from there, you know, right? Yeah, now. and I pulled their schedule too. You, you know, you you have digs twice. You're you're playing the Broncos with Cortland, uh, Cortland Sutton and and Judy. You got the Cardinals with DeAndre Hopkins. You got the Chargers with with Keenan Allen. You got the Chiefs with Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Uh, you got the Seahawks with um, Metcalf and uh, Lockett. Yeah, and Lockett's blanking out on his name, and then you play the you play the Rams, who have a, a you know Woods and uh, and Cup, and then you play the Browns too with Landry and and Odell. So yeah. I, I hope that they address it a little bit more. I'm hoping that they bring in Ryan because I think bringing Ryan would be a big impact. A lot of people talk about edge rusher or corner, which is the Jets address. I think in a perfect world, edge rusher is if if we had a first round draft pick last year, uh, this ne- next year no, number ten pick and there's an even guy at corner and edge rusher, I'm taking the edge rusher because the Jets have never had it since Abraham. But at the same time, I think Logan Ryan's gonna make the biggest impact on the free agent market to the Jets team right now. Um, right. So I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping they sign him for seven eight million dollars. You know he's a good player. So um, we'll see we'll see what happens. But uh, Marcus, we appreciate having you on. And like I said, uh, hopefully we'll have you back on for Quincy Wilson. If not, we'll 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 see you again. I'm I'm sure yeah, for sure, man. All right, appreciate it.